We are learning Shabbos, Daf, Nun, Tes, and we're right in the middle of a Shagra Tariya. So let's just recap where we are. Uh, the Gemara was talking about this idea of a bell with a clapper, and a bell with a clapper is considered a kli, not because a bell is an ornament, uh, might not necessarily be an ornament, especially if it's made for children or for an animal, but um, it would in fact be a kli because it produces sound with the uh, clapper. So the Gemara is discussing the scenario, what happens if the the, the inbill, the clapper inside is removed, uh, does the kli lose its susceptibility to tumma? Let's say, let's say I had a kli, clapper with the bell, and um, it became tame, and now the clapper is removed. Does the bell now automatically become tar? And the root of the question is, is it still called that kli? Because we have a rule that once a kli loses its suitability and function, then it, um, it won't anymore be a kli, and it will lose the susceptibility to tumma. So the question is, what happens when it loses a clapper? So we learned yesterday that the halacha is it is still tame, and the question is why in the world is it still tame? If after all, it's no longer suitable to make noise. So the Gemara told us right at the end yesterday that even though it's not going to make noise with the clapper inside, but it's still suitable to make noise by banging it against a uh, against a pot. And that was the top line of the Gemara. You could hit it against the pot. It could still make noise. So it's still that glee. It's still a noisemaker. Instead of having the noisemaker with the clapper inside, it will produce sound by hitting it against the pot. Now the Gemara gives a different answer. The bell is still a kli, even though it can't make noise, because you could use it if you were stuck to give a drink to a child. If you were stuck and the kid needed a drink, so the bell, you just turn it over and use it as a cup. So even though it can't be used to make sound, but it still has some function that could have tumma. Now what's the chiddish that Rabbi Yochanan is bringing out? The chiddush is, is that even though it's not useful for what it originally was made to do, originally it's not made to be a cop, originally it's made to produce noise, and it no longer is suitable to produce noise. But Rabbi Yochanan is saying, since there's still some other function that it can do, even though it, doesn't, it wasn't what it was originally made for, um, it seems to be that, uh, that, that it can still, it, it still keeps up the Shein Kli, it still retains the, the, the Kli and it's still Mokabal Tumar. Whereas the previous opinion, he was saying, no, it's not enough that you could, you know, give a, use it as a cup. You need more than that. You need the fact that it's still usable in its original function, the function of making noise. So the Gemara finds that Rabbi Yochanan's uh, uh, shita is hard to understand. Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan doesn't hold of this drasha that uh, a kli is only a kli if it still retains its original function of what it, what, what it was made to do. So the Gemara brings us into the laws of uh, Tumah. Tumah's medrash. So there's not, Tumah's medrash unique halacha. Not only is Meqabal Tumah, like Caleb Meqabal Tumah, let's say a dead rodent or a dead body comes in contact. But there's a unique halacha of Tumah's medrash that if it's something that's made to sit or to lie on, then there are certain people who give Tumah's medrash, the Nida, the Zav, the Zava, and um, there's a unique Tumah that the things that they lie on become an Ava Tumah. So we love Pasuk says, right? Any Kli which the, these people, the Zav, will sit on, uh, becomes Tame. So what does it mean something he will sit on? So Yachol, Kafa, Allah, Savi, Yeshua, you could think, let's say you just turned over like a barrel, a, a barrel that holds a saw, and you sit on it. Kafa, Tarko, Love, or a half a saw, which is a, 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 um, a target. Let's say you just, um, you turn over that half saw and you just sit around him. Yachol, Tame, so maybe it's going to be Tame. In other words, bottom line is right now it's being used as a chair. So if it's being used as a chair right now, and the Zav is sitting on it, maybe it can track the unique Tumah of Tumah's Medrash. Tamad Lomar, Asher, Yeshiv, Allah, Azav. The Torah adds, that it's a, it's a kli that the Zav will sit. What does it mean it's a Zav, it's on that, a kli that on which the Zav will sit? It's saying it in the future sense, that it's going to always to remain, it's made to be a chair. It's something which is designated to be sitting on. 
Yatza Zed excludes this case where you just have a random barrel that you flip over and he sits on. We would say to the Zav sitting on it, if we needed him to do something, if we needed the barrel for whatever, you'd say, get up. We need to go, you know, use the container for whatever we need to use it for. We need to fill, up, fill it up with whatever we want to fill it up with. So since it's not really considered a chair, therefore, it's not going to be Makabal Tomas Medrash. The Chiddush of the Bryce says that in order to be Makabal Tomas Medrash, it has to be that the seat is made to be a seat in the future as well. If it just randomly is used at a one-time thing to be a seat, it's not going to contract the Tumah of Medrash. That's one point that uh, the Bryce is making. Now, Rebbe Lazar says, This law is in regard to Tumas Medrash. By Tumas Medrash, we say, that anything that in the future uh, might change, and, and it will say, go and do its work, so we, we need the barrel to go do its work, so it's not Makabal Tumas Medrash. That's one point that is learned by the Tumas of Medrash. Now, this, this is very important to understand the Gemara. There's another point that's being said here. The Amod V'lasam Lachtenu means, let's say I had a Kli that was Tami, and now it's no longer, it's, it, I change it, and now, you can't use it for its original shimush. So you're not going to be say to it, let's do what it used to do. That could remove Tumah. Meaning that if I have a Kli which is no longer designated to do what it originally used to do, it loses the Tumah. Because you're not going to say about it, let's do what we're supposed to do. So meaning let's say I had a mat which used to, which used to be, um, it was big enough to be like a bed, to something you would lie on. And then it gets smaller. It's still a Kli, but it's not something that any more people would lie on. So the halacha is that it loses the tumah of medrash because no one would say about this thing anymore that this thing is still to be a bet. So it was going to lose the tumah of medrash. So there's actually two halachos that are being taught here. Number one is that if I make a makeshift chair, that's not going to be designated in the future to be a chair that's not makabal tumas medrash. And number two, what we're saying is if I have something that's makabal tumas medrash because it was suitable for, for, for sitting and lying, if I change it in a way that in the future we're not going to use it for sitting and lying, even though it still could be a cleave for other functions, but if it's not anymore going to be for sitting or lying, then it loses the tumah. So Rabbi Loza is focusing on this second halacha, where I have something that's makabal tumas medrash, but it's no longer in the future going to be a chair or, or something I'm going to lie on. And there we say that it's going to lose the Tumas Medrash as soon as it's no longer suitable to sit or lie on. But we don't say that by Tumma that comes from dead bodies. By dead bodies, we don't say it loses its Tumma just because it's no longer usable for its original Shemush. So in other words, let's say I had a Kli that became Tumma. Tumma Mace, I don't know, it was in the same uh, OL with a Mace. Now, I change it Shemush, and it's no longer designated to be the thing that it was originally, originally designated to do, but it still could perform other functions. Is it a clear or not? What's the halacha? It's still, so, so the halacha is that it still has Tumah. Even though it can't do the original Shemush that it was set aside to do, it still has Tumah because it could have some Shemush. So by Tumah's measures, we're learning an anomaly, a unique halacha, that it's only when it's still designated to be a chair or to lie on, that's when the Tumah's there. But if you, you change that, then it loses the Tumah of measures. But by Tamei Meis, there we don't have such halacha. By Tamei Meis, as long as the, the Kli will have some Shemush, even if it's not anymore the Shemush that it originally was designated to do, the Kli still retains the Tumah. That is the first opinion. Rabbi Yochanan says he disagrees with Rabbi Lazar. He says, no. Even by Tamei Meis as well, you have the same rule. By Tamei Meis, if you have a Kli, which was designated to do Shemush A, if it's changed and it no longer is designated for Shemush A, and it's now, now it's only going to do Shemush B, it loses the Tumah. So here we see that Rabbi Yochanan's opinion is, is that in order to retain the Tumah, the Kli always constantly has to be 
functioning for its original function, for its original shimush. If that changes, even if it could still do new things, it loses the old tumah. So, so too, now let's go back to our case. We have a bell that has a clapper in it. Its original shimush is that it produces noise. The clapper goes out. Why is it still, why, so it's changed. It no longer can produce noise. Should it, we learn that it still has tumah. Why? So we learned two reasons. The first reason was because you could still produce noise with it. Rabbi Yochanan said, no, you don't have to say that. You could say something else because you could use it as a cup. So the fact that you could use it as a cup is not the original shimush. It's another shimush that I could do with it. The old shimush of making noise is lost. And still Rabbi Yochanan is saying it retains the tumah because it could do a different shimush. So that's a contradiction between the two points of Rabbi Yochanan. Here Rabbi Yochanan is telling us that even by other tumas besides measures, once the function changes, then the tumah goes away. And yet Rabbi Yochanan is telling us by the bell with the clapper that even when the clapper is removed, the bell still has the tumah because I could use it as a cup for a child. Using it as a cup for a child is not the original shimosh. So we have a contradiction between two points that Rabbi Yochanan is saying. So the Gemara answers, So you're right, it's a contradiction. And you switch around who said what. By the, the case with the bell, Rabbi Yochanan is the one who said it could retain the tumah because... You could hit it against the pot. It's still retaining the same shimash that it had. And the other ones, Rabbi Hanina was the one who was disagreeing and saying, well, you could give it as a cup because he didn't require it to be the same shimash. Says the Gemara, We had a contradiction. How do you know to switch the first ruling of Rabbi Yochanan regarding the bell and the clapper, maybe reverse the second ruling of Rabbi Yochanan about uh, his machlogas with, with Rabbi Lazar, rather by, by Tamei Meis, we say if it switches the Shemosh, then it loses the Tumah. So the Gemara says, because We have another proof from something else Rabbi Yochanan said, that we know he requires it to still resemble the original function that it had for the Tumah, for the Tumah. So we're gonna, we have a contradiction. We're going to kind of use a third scenario now to prove what the truth of Rabbi Yochanan's opinion is. The Tanya, because we learned in a Mishnah, Sandal, Let's say I have a metal shoe that animals go out with. It could be Makabal Tumah. Now, animals are going to go out with it so they don't get damaged, but that's not a reason why it's a Kli, right? We learned that, um, that that doesn't sound like a Kli. Just the usage that it has for animals doesn't make a Kli. It has to be usable that people use it. So, Lamaya Khazu, why in the world, what, what do I use the shoe for that it has the shame of a Kli? So the answer was, Amar Rav, during a war, a person, and you know, crazy times, even though this is not the main reason, main shimash, but even a secondary shimash, according to Rav, is enough to give it a shame of a glee. So even though it's not made and it's not generally used to be a cup, but it could have tumah because of that. Um, and Tosus emphasizes you have to say that when they make this this shoe, they have that in mind also. It's not just some, you know some random uh, creative thing someone's doing for it. They they make it primarily to be a shoe for the foot for, for the foot of the animal, but also second in the secondary shimash so that it could always be be used as a cup. So therefore, it, it is a kli because of that. A different thing, you can use it for oil during the war. In other words, even if you wouldn't necessarily drink from the cup, but you might use it to use it for oil in the process of smearing oil. For, so so therefore. It's a kli. Rav, well, not that way. He held, I mean, Rashi says, you don't have oil. Who has oil during the war? So, so therefore, it wouldn't work unless you would drink from it. Okay, now, those were the first two opinions. Rabbi Yochanan and Amar, no. The reason why it's Makabal Tumah can't be because of the drinking from the cup or the smearing of the oil, because those things are completely unrelated to what the object is. The object is a shoe, and it's got to it's gotta have some shimush of being a shoe in order for it to be Makabal Tumah, because that's really what it's made to do. So Rabbi Yochanan said, There are certain times when a person is running away from a battle, he might put these shoes over his feet, and run over if there's some tough thorns that he has to step on, he might wear this animal shoe. So why is Rabbi Yochanan is emphasizing that in order for the cleat to have tumah, it must have 
some association with the shimush that it's made to do. So the shimush it's made to do is to be an issue for the animal. That's not a reason for makabal tumah. We're saying it still is makabal tumah, rav and rav and um, we're saying because you could do random things like drink from it or use it for spring from oil. Rabbi Yochanan saying no, you have to be able to use it for something that's like what it resembles. For that resembles the shimush of a shoe. So we see Rabbi Yochanan's position is that a secondary shimush to give tumah has to resemble the primary shimush. So so too by us. In the case of the bell and the clapper, it makes a lot more sense to say that Rabbi Yochanan's position is that when the clapper is removed, this makabal tumah only because the original shimush of making noise is kept up, and that's why we reverse that position that Rabbi Yochanan was the one who said that the reason the tumah is there is because I could still bang it against the pot, and that complements what we're learning uh, his authentic position is. Okay, so it ends up a very interesting machlokas. If you have a kli, uh, to summarize what we have, if you have a kli, and it's made to do a shimush, and for whatever reason, that shimush in, um, cannot, give it, cannot give it susceptibility to tumah, either because it broke, or because um, it's, that's for an animal, it's not chashav enough. So what about a secondary shimush? Could a secondary shimush, that's not the main thing it was used for, but it's a secondary shimush, give it a shame cleat for tumah. So we have a dispute. If the thing, maybe one opinion says yes, if there's a secondary shimush made to do, that's enough. There's another opinion that says only if the secondary shimush resembles the original shimush. Only in that case is the tumah still there. Okay, now we learned, going back to the animal shoe, so we say that one opinion was saying because you could drink with it, and one opinion was saying because you could smear it well. So one says, my, what's practically the difference between them? The difference would be, let's say the shoe is really gross. According to Rav, it wouldn't be because you're not going to drink from it if it's really gross. So you would use it because you're not drinking from it, you're just spreading you know, the oil on it, so it's not such a problem if it, to use it even if it's gross, so therefore it would still be and what's the difference between Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Yochanan? Let's say the shoe is extremely heavy, so you can't use it when you're running away. It's good for an animal, not good for a person. So like Rabbi Yochanan, the shoe is still makavotoma. According to Rabbi Yochanan, it's not. According to Rabbi Yochanan, the reason it's makavotoma is because a person might use it when they're running away from war. So if the person wouldn't use it when running away from war, it won't be makavotoma. So this concludes our discussion here on the tangent that we were learning about toma. Now we get back to the Mishnah. The Mishnah, again, the general idea is Tachshitin of women are not allowed to be worn in the street because we're concerned that they might take them off and show their friends. So the mission was listing them. Lo be'ir shalzav, a city of gold. So the says, my ear shalzav, what does it mean, a city of gold? What is that? It's this golden jewelry that there's an image of Yerushalayim on the jewelry. This is like Rabbi Kiva made for his wife. So it's a Gemara story in the Dharm. Rabbi Kiva married the daughter of Kabbalah who was super rich, but... Kabbalah Savur refused to give them a penny. Rabbi Akiva it was a total amaharetz. And Rabbi Akiva famously said to his wife, if I could, if I got rich, I'm going to give you Yerushalayim Dava. So evidently, this Yerushalayim Dava is an extremely expensive piece of jewelry. Says the Gemara, really, now we're going to learn it's my... A woman's not allowed to go out with this, um, this, this type of jewelry, the city of gold. She's chayvachatos. In other words, it's Daraisa consider caring. Give your Rabbi Meir. That's Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir holds that it's actually a Daraisa Iser for the woman to go out. And what's the idea? I mean, any other jewelry we're saying is only Darabanan. Why in the world would Rameir say that it's Daraisa? Right? What's, go- what's going on? What, what kind of svar could we give for that? Any other jewelry is only with Darabanan. She might take it off. Why would it be Daraisa? So the idea could be, is what the Rishonim say, that it really, and this is a fascinating svar, it's not really adorning the woman. It's, it's not like that at all. That's not the reason they do it. It's just a super strong piece of gold that basically declares, I'm rich. And only super rich women wore it, and it was a declaration of their wealth. 
It wasn't actually making their body look nicer. And that's a fascinating svara. Remeir has a very strict definition of tashit. He's saying that tashit really has to be something that's beautifying the body. If it's not beautifying the body, if it's just another indication about what the person's you know, material wealth status is, then that's not considered to be a tashit. And if the woman goes out with it, she therefore is chayav achatas. Now, we don't know like that. The Chamim say, she can't go out with him. She does, she's positive from Machatas, meaning she shouldn't go out with him, she might show her friend. But it's not actually a burden. If she goes out, she's positive. Rabbi Lazar says, the woman can even go out with the Yerushalzav. He's not concerned the woman will take it off. We'll see why in a second. So the Gemara says, what's the root of the question? Rabbi Meir, Sabra Masra, Meir holds that is considered a total burden. It's not considered a bottle to the body. Again, that's far that we said in the Mishonim. That it's not really making the body look better. Rabbanan Savi Tashu. Rabbanan say no. It's totally adorning the body. It's 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 not to arise the type of iser. The only iser is the Moshava Makula. We're concerned with Rabbanan. She might take it off. Show a friend. Basi Lasui and she might carry it. Moshe Sarabim. So with Rabbanan it's forbidden. Rabbanan Savi Lazaro. She's allowed to wear it. Why? Man, the Arkel Mepek Yer Shalzav. Who? What kind of person is going to be wearing this Yer Shalzav? Isha Chashuva. Only a very um, aristocrat. It's a very wealthy. Only very wealthy women because of the great expense. The Isha Chashuva La Moshava Makula. The Rabbanan we're not concerned that a very Chashuva woman. Who's going to take it off and show it? Right, that's it, it's beneath her. So it's a fascinating thing. If it's a type of jewelry that's only worn by a very rich woman, then the rabbanon weren't goes there. If it's a type of jewelry that anyone wears, then even a rich woman can't do it because low plug rabbanon. But a type of jewelry that only is worn by a very distinguished woman is not a problem. Uh, for her to wear it on Shabbos, that's a three-way machlokas here. What about a, a klila? So a klila, some sort of you know, some sort of. Uh, Goes on the forehead. It's like some sort of band around the forehead, kind of like a fancy headband. So Rav Aser Shmuel Shari Rav Aser to wear Shmuel's matter. So the more clarifies. If the one that's the aniska, the aniska is it's like literally a sheet of, of of metal, like a gold or silver or copper or whatever that's just banged out. Then everybody agrees that that's Aser because it's a chash of a thing. The Rabbanim are concerned that you have a nice fancy headband made of gold and you know, piece of metal, you might, you might show it to your friend. Keep leaking, where do they argue? Daruksa. Daruksa is one that's just regular, you know, nothing fancy, just regular regular fabrics, but they're stuck with like little, you know, stones or little pieces of gold on it. But the main material isn't metal. So Marasa Vaniska Iker. Rava holds the Iker part is the, um, that the, the gold pieces are the ikr. So it is chashim, and she might show it to her friend. And therefore, it's forbidden to wear it in the street. Umar, Savar, Shmuel holds a rooks of ikr. They know the regular fabric is the main part, and it's not considered a chashim, a piece of jewelry at all, and therefore, maybe one on shop is more concerned that she's going to show her friend. Says the Gemara Ravashi, Ravashi had a, uh, a lenient way of teaching this. If it was the fabric one that just is decorated with some gold and stones, everyone agrees that's mother. Everyone agrees that one's not chasha. Keep leaving this with the machlokis is by the metal one that the Marav holds it's also if it's a piece of metal one, then she might show it to her friend. She might come to carry it. Who's the one who usually goes out wearing these Isha Chashuva? Only Isha Chashuva goes out. Isha Chashuva lo She's not going to take it off to show someone else in the street. Says the Gemara, you told us in the name of Rav that we're wearing any klilos matar and Shabbos. So obviously we go with Ravashi, and um, obviously we go with Ravashi. So, uh, so, 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 so therefore, you know, uh, Rav, Rav is matar wearing the, um, the, 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 this type of klila if it's, if it's made of the fabric. Okay. Says the Gemara, talking more about this, I'm a little Rav, also Gavar Rabbi Rikul and Ardot. It was a big, a very tall person. He came to Narda, Umatla, he had a limp, he wasn't walking well. And he, had a, he came with the teaching that wearing the klila is mutter on Shabbos. That was the thing that he brought with him. 
So Amar, Rav heard about this person. He said, Man Gabba Rabbi Rika Ditla, who is a very tall person that has a limp? See, he said, Levi, it must be. It's Levi. Levi was back in Eretz Yisrael. It was a well known thing that Levi had, um, he was injured. It was a story at the Simchas Beis Shoeva. Uh, when he did, he's trying to do this like crazy kind of like push up, and uh, he actually went limp from it. The Gemara, it's a Gemara in Sukkah. The Gemara talks about that. So Rav was aware of that. So he heard that this person came. He said, This must be Levi. So Rav keeps on th- thinking. He says, Shmami non nafshi to Rabbi Afis. It must be the Rabbi Afis, who was the Rashiv in Israel, he must have died. The other Rabbi Hanina Barisha, now Rabbi Hanina must have been uh, appointed Rashiva. So Levi didn't have anyone to learn with anymore because that's why he came to Narada because he's looking for a new Rebbe. So a little background is important here. This is the, the, the generation of the transition between the Tanam and Amaram. So Rebbe, Rebbe Yudahanasi, was the Rashiva in Eretz Yisrael. He said that Rabbi Hanina should be the next Rashi Shiva. But after Rebbe died, Rabbi Hanina said, no, I'm not going to take it because Rabbi Ephes was older than him. So Reb Afis therefore became the Rashiva, and Reb Chanina was was tough with him. He was subordinate to him. Now, what's the problem? Reb Chanina, it was he couldn't go inside the yeshiva either because he knew just as much, if not more, than the Rashiva of Afis. So he sat outside. He sat outside the base medrash. But now Reb Chanina is sitting outside. Levi says to himself, "How could it be that Reb Chanina is sitting outside and no one's going to learn with him?" See, he went and he made a chavrusa with, with, with he made a chavrusa with Reb Chanina. So Reb Afis was given the Rashiva. Out of the humility, you know, the humility of Hanina, he refused to accept this, and Rav Afis was, was older. Hanina was learning outside. Levi went and was the Chavrusa with, uh, with Rav Hanina. So now Levi's coming to Eretz Yisrael. So Rav's saying, coming to Bavel. So Rav's saying, why would he leave? It must be what happened is like this. It must be Rav Afis died. Now the next Roshiva, so now Rav Hanina became the next Roshiva. Now that he became the next Roshiva, now Levi has no reason to stay behind. So therefore, he's coming He's coming, he's coming here. Now, this is interesting. It sounds like Levi wouldn't have any reason to study with Reb Hanina. Reb Hanina was the Rashiva. And Rashi explains, Levi was old, he was the same age, and he knew a lot. So he didn't feel that, that he had to be with Reb Hanina once Reb Hanina was the Rashiva. The only reason he stayed with Reb Hanina is because he felt bad for his cover. Reb Hanina is outside the base medrash, learning with no one. So that's why he made a chavrusa with him. But if Reb Hanina would be appointed the Rashiva, now Levi had no reason to be with him. So that's why he's coming to Bavo. So the Gemara asks about the story. How do we know that? How did Rav know that's what happened? Maybe the opposite. Maybe Rav Hanina died. Rav Abbas was still the Rashiva. And Levi had no one to learn with. That's why he came here. So how do we know that it's Rav Abbas who died and Rav Hanina became the Rashiva? Maybe Stam, Rav Hanina died. So now, now Levi came here. So the Gemara says, Rav Hanina had died. Levi, the Rav Abbas, he would have gone inside to learn with Rav Abbas. Rav Abbas was older than Levi. Levi was about the same age as Rav Hanina. Remember, Rav Abbas was older. That's the reason he became Rashiva. So if Rav Abbas was the one who was alive, just Rav Hanina died, Levi would have gone to study inside. It must be, it must be the opposite. Rav Abbas died, Rav Hanina became Rashiva, and now that's why Levi had no chavrus anymore and he came to Babel. The Sioux, furthermore, I can't be. That, uh, that it was Rav Hanina died. Rav Hanina Lusaga, the Lomalach, what would happen? He was never the Rashiva. Whenever he died, he said, Hanina, Hanina, son of Rav was supposed to be the Rashiva. Kulubut Sadiqim says about Sadiqim, that whatever a tzaddik says happens. So even after, so after Rebbe's death, Rav Hanina says Rav Avos could be Rashiva. So but eventually Rav Hanina has to become the Rashiva because Rebbe said, must be that Rav Afis died before Hanina and Rav Hanina eventually became the Rashiva. So that's implausible. It just can't be. It's impossible to say that Rav Hanina died and never became Rashiva. So it must be that the true story was Rav Afis died. Now Rav Hanina was appointed Rashiva. Now Levi had no reason to stay, to stay there anymore and that's why he came to Bavel and as the Gemara mentioned he brought with him the teaching that it's mutter to wear a klila 
on Shabbos. Says the Gemara, leaving Nardark, He's going in the city of Nardar. They're wearing the Klilos Mutter on Shabbos. Nafik There were twenty-four of these special headbands from all of Nardar. Nardar was a huge city, but all it seems like there were only twenty-four headbands throughout the whole city. Like Nardar wasn't such a rich place. Whereas Darsh Rabbi Rakhana Mukhuzah Kuli Sharim Rabbi Baravua taught in the city of Mukhuzah that wearing the Klilos Mutter on Shabbos. Nafku Tamni Sreik Klilos Mechalim Avah from one Mavoi. 18 different ones came out. So Mechuzah was much richer. So in one Mavim Mechuzah, they had already had 18 of these headbands coming out. Okay, continues the Gemara, Marv Yudah, Marshmol, Kamra, Shari, Kamra is Mutter on the Shabbos. So what exactly is this thing? So Ikeda Amri Da'aruksa. So it's a belt, it's made of like fabric belt, and it's and there's a bunch of um, stones that are stuck on the outside of it. Vamar Afsa, for me, they have a Tavim Specific. It's Mutter just like you could wear a coat with gold. Now Rashi seems to learn that the point one is that it's considered a tafshit, and point two is you're not going to take it out. You're not going to take it off. Just a person doesn't take off their coat, so the person doesn't take off their belt because their clothes their, their clothes will fall. So there's no problem with the belt. So some people say it's like made of like a, a sheet of gold. Just like about the kings, we're not concerned that it's going to be worn. No one's going to take it off. Again, the same idea. It's a clothing, and you're not going to take it off. In the, in, you're not going to take it off in the street. And we've shown them say these are two opinions. They're not really arguing about what it is. The point is, a nice belt, we have no concern. What about the belt on top of the regular belt? The person is reeling his belt. And now you have this one stuck on. What's the halachas? You're talking about two belts? In other words, it's totally awesome because it's, you're not wearing it normally. So even if it is a tasha, it's only a tasha when you're wearing it that way. But if you already have another belt and you stick this one on top, that's for sure carrying it. So it's totally, it's totally awesome. In fact, it might even be a daraisa that you're not wearing it. Um, very, very interesting idea. So if it's not doing any function, the belt which is made to be a function, and you, you already have a belt, and you're just wearing this fancy belt on top, the Gemara seems to be saying that is totally caring. Amar Abashi, hi Rasuka. So the Rasuka is material, right? It would tie tightly around the person's body, and it helps a lot with posture, like helps with the torso and the hips. So it's very good um, that they tie around it. So E is the If there are ties on it, so they could wear tights, so it's much or low, if not also, because if it doesn't have the ties around it, then it's, it's a little bit looser, so it might fall down. If it would fall down, the person would come to carry it in the street, and therefore it is also. Now going back to the other types of jewelry that a, the woman can't wear below a kala. says she can't wear a kala. My kala, what's a kala? Says the Gemara, I'm an active fire. Kala, it's like, again, it's like this um, thing that the woman wears tightly around her neck, and it catches things that she's eating, so her clothes don't get dirty. Again, she'd wear it pretty tightly around her neck. We're concerned that she might take it off to show somebody Nizamim, those are rings, this may have ah. Um, those are talking about nose rings, and the point the Gemara is trying to make earrings are mutter because they're hard to show the other ones. Uh, this seems like the olden times earrings, the earrings were covered with things that go around her hair, get complicated, so those ones are hard to take off, and therefore they're mutter for her to wear. So the Mishnah is only answering the nose rings because the nose rings were very easy to take off. Then the Mishnah mentioned not with a regular hand ring, she'ina, a finger ring, shalom, that doesn't have a signet on it. So the Gemara says, what's the Mishnah? That one we're saying is the Rabbanon, it's also to go out with the ring because she might take it off. Now the Mishnah emphasized that it doesn't have a signet on it. So the Gemara says, if it does have a signet on it, then the implication is, not only is it also because she might take it off, it's also because she's mamish carrying because there, the Iker isn't just an ornament when she wears it, it's considered she's carrying because since it has a Chosam, we say that the Iker of the, of the Kli is not the... It's not the tashit, the ikr of the kli isn't the beautiful ring, the ikr of the kli is the signet. So if the ikr of the kli is the signet, then she's carrying. Because remember, it's only mutter to carry on Shabbos, to wear something on Shabbos that's attached to the body, if it's, if it's a, a considered a tasha for the body. So if it has a signet, then it's considered to be 
not a tashit. Even if it does make the body look better. That's why the Gemara is very lundish. Even if it does make the body look better. But if the ikr is the signet, then it's considered to be a burden. If it's considered to be a burden, then, um, then it would be told, she would be a total chiv chatas to go out with it. Alma, lafta abshiru, such a thing is not considered to be a tashit. Says the Gemara, we have a stira. We say that Tashide Nashim are Tame because they're clean, because they adorn the women. We have all sorts of examples, Katlos, the Chokish, Zamim, Earring, Tabos, Rings, Vitabas, and the ring that we're saying is a clean, whether or not it has a signet or not. Vinizme Af and Nose Rings. So clearly we see that a ring that has a signet is considered to be, the Mishnah categorizes it as a Tashim. So our Mishnah says, our Mishnah implies that if it would have a signet, it wouldn't be a tashit, and if she would go out, it would be a chil chatos. But the Mishnah there in the laws of Tumah classifies, classifies a ring that has a signet as being a tashit. So which one is it? So the Gemara answers, Amr Rebbe Zerlo Kasher Hal Rebbe Nechemer Rabbanon. The Machlokes is, is it depends. We hold like Rebbe Nechemer and the Rabbanon. There's a Machlokes. What's the ikker of a ring with a signet? Is it the signet or is it the ring? Where do we see this dispute between Rebbe Nechemer and the Rabbanon? If a ring with a signet is an ikker, is the signet, and that would be our Mishnah, and therefore it has a signet, it would be a Masor, or like the Rabbanon that the ikker is always the ring part, and therefore it's a Tasha. Where do we see this tiny? It says in price, the ring is metal, but the signet is made of wood. So again, the big question is, is it a clear or not? Because metal can be makabotoma even if it doesn't have a receptacle. Wood can only be makabotoma if it has a receptacle. So if I have a ring where the ring is made of metal, but the signet is made of wood, so is it makabotoma? If I go after the ring part, it should be makabotoma. But if I say the ikker is the signet part, it shouldn't be makabotoma. So we say to meo. So we say that it's tame because we go after the, we go after the ring part. He shall If it's made of wood and the signet is metal, tahora, then it is tahar. Because here the opposite, we go after the main part. The main part is the wood, and therefore it's not makabotoma. That's the view of the rabbanon. The review of the rabbanon is we always go after the ring. That's the main part. The signet is 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 not the main part. Reb Nechemia says that the wood ring with the metal signet is tame. Because Reb Nechemia says the main part of the ring is the signet. When you want to know if a ring is tame, you go after the signet. That's the main part, not the ring part, but the signet. So like ring with the signet, we're going to say um, is is the main part of the signet is not a tashit, and like him, if the woman would go out with it, she would be chayv echatas. But like the rabbanon, that the main part is the ring, it would be a tashit, and the woman would not be chayv echatas if she went out with it. But oh, so most just just continuing other examples from Nehemiah's view. If you have a yoke, you go after the pegs. That was in the main part of the yoke. The kolav. These are like some sort of uh, boards where the people would put their stuff to, to, to sell. If you go after the nails to determine what the ikra part is. The sulam, if you have a letter, you go after the wrongs. But if you have a, a scale, if you go after the chains that hold it up. You got all this wrong. You always go after the main thing that gives support. So according to the Chachamim, it's not determined by the main function, but the main support. According to Reb Nechemia, it's determined by the main function. So like Reb Nechemia, the main function is the signet. That's the ikra of the Kli. Whereas like the Rabbanon, uh, the main... The main, the, like the Rabban, and the main part is the ring, the ring itself.